This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written or ghostwritten. If you ever read about the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, Elizabeth and Jessica, with their eyes the colour of the Pacific Ocean, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. But of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnappings, stolen boyfriends and seemingly mandatory school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Uh, You're very welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Massive thanks to our sponsors, Wildcard Distribution, uh, Octavid.com, Film Equipment Store, and all of the awesome people that make FNI Rap Chat happen. Uh, We really appreciate your support with that. We've had 190-odd people support us with small, uh, small donations, and that quite literally keeps... Yeah, it keeps uh, wood in the wood fire uh, oven, so we really appreciate that. It helps us plot future schemes and plans and create some uh, supports and various different bits and pieces, so we really appreciate that. Um, um, in other news, we are creating a membership program going forward, so with that we will be providing uh, 20 individual film and TV uh, professionals who will um, engage with people one-on-one um, over a couple of video calls um, in the near future to help them, support them, motivate them, give some advice um, and just be a soundboard for people who are either starting out or trying to get to the next level in their career. So again, if you'd like to support that, uh, support us in that, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI and become a member. Um, and with that, you'll uh, you'll be granted access to some really awesome people going forward. So thank you for your support. We're back in the studio, which is great. People, people, um, and a radiator that's absolutely blasting me. It's like uh, San Tropez behind me here. Um, we're joined by um, a from an FNI perspective. We have been trying recently to bring um, some uh, more inclusion and more or, uh, different organisations and perspectives in on the show to talk about their work, what they do, and new initiatives that are out there that people may or may not be avail- uh, aware of or haven't availed of so far. Um, today we're joined by uh, Sarah Glenan from mm-hmm. Screen Produce uh, Screen Composers Guild of Ireland, uh, music supervisor, uh, legend, how you doing? Hi. <laughs> 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 Sorry about the uh, over-dramatic uh, intro. How are yeah, you doing today? I'm not sure about legend. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be in town and meeting people that I'm not directly related to. It's <laughs> a relief. <laughs> it's it's, gr- it's great to be out. What a glorious day it is outside as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's great to see the city, that it's still here. It started to think, was it just a figment of my imagination? Yeah, it hasn't eroded, uh, eroded over the last uh, last year, I, I can guarantee you. Um how first of all how are you yeah good good i'm kind of relieved to be coming back into the summer and getting past that last bit i think i found the last lockdown from christmas that didn't seem to end um that was definitely the hardest of the past 12 months um good good Mm. it was um you know it was difficult, even for everybody I know as well, even the, the bravest of folk that I know, it, it, like it seemed as if it was a bridge too far. This last one, particularly, I think, because there was no kind of a clear end in sight and no one really knew what was happening. So and it was the, mm. the goalposts were shifting constantly. Now, creative people are always kind of in this mode anyway. What kind of mode are you in right now, work-wise and professionally? Yeah, um, at the moment I'm in reorganizing mode. Um, 
I think I, I put up a post recently about being discombobulated and someone said, have you ever heard of anyone being combobulated? So I am trying to combobulate. <laughs> <laughs> if that is such a thing. And just, I have two relatively young kids, so it's a relief to get them back to school and imagine they might stay there for the next seven or eight weeks um, and then, you know, get 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 a bit of work. It felt like the last three months have been a funny one. You know, we're, we're an organization that exists within a wider network and I have felt very much within the wider network, both from our members and from our kind of uh, industry colleagues, that there has been a lot of kind of headless chicken sort of energy around the place and not not as much productivity. Um, and I think everyone needs a little bit of a break and to be kind of a little bit kind to themselves for the next few weeks. Mm. And, uh, you know, but everything feels like it's a few weeks, a few months behind maybe. And um, but then, you know, it'll be it'll be back to as it was in no time. So I'm already getting that kind of feeling of, ooh, what will I regret that I didn't do in this time? I, uh, yeah, I think so. I, I'm kind of the same, but you know, surely, you know, are minding ourselves, minding our, our mental health and, you know, um, saving our mental health for a rainy day Yeah, is kind of more important right now. It is quite literally about getting through this it, Yeah, and, and planning, I suppose, for the next thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think but that's so. How, that's how I've dealt with it. It's like, okay, I'm just, you know, throw some coal on the fire during all this and just keep things moving. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it is very much a case of just trying to be productive to kind of and staying on the treadmill, the kind of creative treadmill, without kind of overworking yourself, which can be the danger, I suppose, as well. Where, yeah. you, where you try to overcompensate by doing work because you don't feel as if you're doing enough because you're at home. Yeah, I think, and I think there is a lot of that generally from the kind of government departments down. There's a certain amount of what should we be doing and um, how to respond and um, and yet people are kind of slightly exhausted by the situation as well so it's getting the balance right and not becoming kind of addicted to being in the state of mind sort of thing so that you're up and ready to go when things return which they will yeah yeah it's um some good things i suppose from a work perspective you know, a lot of creatives work from home anyway. Yeah. But the idea of, um, you know, blended working is a good thing going forward to know that people don't need to be in spaces if they don't need to be sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, um, I don't know how this is going to work with film and TV creatives, but the idea of uh, people, when they finish work, that they're not contactable, that, that employees are not obliged to re reply back to answer to, the to email answer, yeah. yeah and they won't be disciplined for that or chastised yeah i think that's really interesting where all that stuff is going to go in the future in terms of legality and stuff but can only be a good thing in terms of looking after one's yeah. you know mental health and so on so maybe you might tell us a little bit about yourself what's your star sign where do you come from <laughs> um and kind of just about your own creative journey what you do and what that role entails or has done over the years yeah, um, well, my star sign is Capricorn, and um, I, I studied marketing in Mountjoy Square, not a million miles away from here, and it was, at the time, it was kind of the, the, it was the older kind of office block, I don't know what it's like now, actually, and then the fine art department was down in um, Portland Row, I think, Portland Row, I think it was called, um, and when I was studying marketing, it occurred to me that there was a lot of people in the college who were making stuff and we were learning how to sell stuff. Right. And I thought, <laughs> they should really get us together because, you know, I had a good few friends who were working in, in fine art or doing the fine art course. Um, and I thought they didn't really have a clue what they were going to do after college. And it made, it kind of started me on a journey of how would I use what I was learning to benefit them and how could I get what they were doing and benefit myself so I, I started getting into the the arts marketing which is in itself a kind of a niche area and um, really interesting area actually um, and because as well I think I'm not a, a wholly commercial 
person. So the idea of using business tools such as marketing for um, encouraging more cultural involvement or for improving the amount of cultural capital that you have in an economy as opposed to just financial capital um, and also the benefits around social engagement with art and where art and kind of uh, business and commerce meet and how can they work together. So that's where I came from. Um, and at the time, I guess I was more interested in visual arts and I worked in galleries in town for a few years. And then um, I actually worked in entertainmentireland.ie as it was when it started up and um, kind of floated around doing a few different jobs and then had a had a son. Um, and I had known the guys from Keela before all this. So it kind of all coincided that I was coming out of being a, a you know kind of a mom with a very young baby getting interested in working again and Kilo were kind of finishing working with who they had been working with and I came on to bridge a gap uh, which ended up being like a sort of 10 year arrangement <laughs> um <laughs> and a huge amount of admiration for what Kilo were at and I thought I learned a lot from them this idea of kind of creating a cottage industry around your creativity and your desire to be a creator and an artist and your drive to do it, but not necessarily, you know, kind of changing yourself to fit into the market forces or even the funding application yeah, needs. You shouldn't you know. have to conform necessarily. Mm. Yeah, and there was a lot of exciting stuff happening in Dublin um, and in Ireland um, around that kind of indie music scene. Um, a lot of little businesses being set up around it. Um, and in those years then, I watched the music industry slowly dismantle itself and um, yeah. be taken over by the internet, <laughs> the big bad internet, um, which was, I, I found recently when I was in, in Mountjoy Square, I was the editor of a, a magazine called The Marketing Communicator. Um, <laughs> but the issue I edited was an, uh, one, one, one issue a year, sort of a job, but it was, it was good for me with a great communications lecturer up there. Uh, but the issue that I edited was all about the World Wide Web and the future. The dangerous, the dangerous, <laughs> the dangerous. Yeah. I think it's, firstly, I have to say, I'm such a massive fan of Keela over the years. Just, uh, you know, there's a great authenticity yeah. and integrity to them, you know, from the outside looking in, which I think is a wonderful, a beautiful, they're shining example of of integrity in their work, which is a wonderful thing. Now, I don't know, you know, the inner workings of, the, of that particular machine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just kudos and and their recent collaboration on Wolf Workers and and just yeah, they're just a shining light in terms of artistic integrity. Yeah, I think which is a wonderful thing to see. But they they really they really have created their own world or modeled the world in in the shape of what they needed it to be. Yeah. Um, and it was through working with them, I, like I said, I learned so much. But I became really interested then in how music's used in audiovisual. We would get a lot of requests in for. Um, licensing their tracks and um, I was kind of moved on with having more kids um, and I thought this is an area that I really wanted to get into what I realized was that there was a knowledge gap in the people coming to me from productions mm -hmm. and understanding around licensing music but then also maybe in what they were looking for creatively for music so I decided to have a look at music supervision as my next career move Mm -hmm. um, and d did a course in that with the, an online course with the Berkeley College. Just very briefly, you might break that down. What that actually, what that role actually is, because there's a lot of film roles that people working in film don't yeah. know specifically what they are or what people do in those roles. Yeah. So a music supervisor is somebody who, I mean, in the in the the big mega budget world, you would maybe have a team of music supervisors even. Um, who will cover different elements of the role, but a music supervisor is somebody who should really take over all of the music needs of a film, a TV series, or production. Um, that would be from working with the director from the kind of a, a, a development stage to decide what do you need musically. Is it original score? Is it place tracks? Is it um, 
you know, kind of a mix of both. And then you work with the producer to try and, and get enough budget to cover what the director's ambitions are, um, or at least to, I would say as a music supervisor, you need to have a proportional amount put aside for your music budget so that whatever you're spending in other areas of the film, you're not kind of letting it down with the music side because you're not putting aside enough money. So part of the music supervisor's role will be to to kind of work out that budget at the start and then to hold on to that budget so nothing else robs it, which is, you know, can commonly happen. Someone um, else dipping into the well. Yeah, the you know, we need to do another day filming. You know, where are we going to get the money? I know that music budget's just sitting over there looking unused. So, um, and, and then... That oh, would often be, that, that budget would often be one of the last ones to be implemented, right? So it would always be there. Like yeah. a lot of, like shooting would happen and interpo- maybe... Uh, you, you said that you're there from the inception of the idea uh, in some cases but your work wouldn't be implemented or the post-production audio and stuff wouldn't be implemented to the end. So it's often yeah. that that would have its head chopped off or try to be. Like yeah. you have a producer and you're going, oh, well, that'll have to go now. And can you get them down from whatever yeah. to whatever, you know? Yeah. So and you, you would have to do a lot of that fighting, would you? Yeah, that doesn't necessarily work, um, <laughs> I would say. I think like it's the last thing to be spent, but it doesn't have to be the last thing to be budgeted. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a music supervisor can do as well is like when I'm working with directors, I would prompt them to think because uh, what what will happen, what I've seen happen is that the director is going to have their vision Mm -hmm. and then they'll go to film and then in edit that vision is going to change. And um, often the thing that kind of helps at that stage is music more than anything else. And that's where particularly if through filming and in the edit it's becoming a bigger vision than they had first imagined and they're becoming more ambitious about it, they're going to want more music um, and like, <laughs> more expensive music yes. um, than they had initially conceived. So that's why you go, okay, if you've already spent the budget, then you're already actually kind of down, down, down a block from that. Um, like a, a, An example is, uh, there's a lot of directors would not think necessarily about closing title music, mm-hmm. or they think, oh, we'll get the composer to create Just score. Off something. Yeah, um, and then <laughs> you come to the end of the edit, and there's there, you know, everyone's thinking this is the best piece of cinema that you know is ever going to come out in the world, and what they need is that huge track it's at what, the eight end, tr- eight minutes, yeah. <laughs> stuff, or whatever. Yeah, so. Um, and that's where you go, well, you've got 150 euro left in your budget. <laughs> uh, no amount of negotiation skills are going to work, you know. And, and it, it's an area that does require a good amount of expertise. You need to know a lot about rights, um, about how to research the ownership of music, how to negotiate with with the owners. And then there's the creative side of helping a director maybe understand what it is that they're they're looking for the music to do what part the music's playing in the storytelling Mm. and then maybe if it is a case that they can't license the track that they really really want you help them find an alternative there's always an alternative i'd say and sometimes kind of investigating that process and mining um comes out with a better result you know the more kind of yeah, sometimes you have like I know this from directing a little bit as well. You have your 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 heart set on something. Yeah. And then more often than not, if someone is trying to, if you can't get that, if someone is trying to replicate the essence of that, yeah, it would grow into something else in some other way, or you you delve, you, you know, a little bit deeper, yeah. and you find something else new, and in, in 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 being forced to cast that idea aside. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's uh, what a music supervisor can do. They can kind of be a, a bridge between the, the music and the director and help them understand what it is that, that yeah. they're getting from that piece of music. And I'm sure there's also uh, some gratification in knowing that you're helping out, in particular, maybe an Irish artist, in giving them a chance. Completely, Because they're yeah. trying to get, you know, Love Me Do with the Beatles or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then you go, no, well, you need to find, you know, you, you can't afford that or you don't have, that option is not available to yeah. you. So you need to, you know, talk to these people find something different yeah yeah and i think like you can only choose from what you know so 
if a director, like I kind of categorize directors, you know this. <laughs> but when I meet him, you know, like you could be working with a director and you're going, okay, they've only ever heard the top 40 hits. Like yeah, that's yeah, their yeah. musical knowledge. So you're coming with this huge other wealth of knowledge. And it's not that I know loads and loads of music, but I know how to kind of buy music and how to um, identify what it is that they're looking for mm-hmm. or that they're getting from this top 40 hit that is so completely out of their reach and how to then get the same result with something that's maybe independent, um, an Irish artist or you know, an independent Kind of Swedish artist as well, you know, yeah, something yeah, on Bandcamp. Um, I think it's a great thing for people to investigate what's happening in Ireland. Like we've such a wealth of music and talent. So it, it's unfortunate that you know, you know, the music uh, in, environment or music production has been so price dumped and destroyed by the internet. But the other yeah. side of that is, look, with technology progressing as as rapidly as, a, as, as it has done and with the influx of you know technology and you know the advances in recording techniques and how cheap and inexpensive it is to not cheap in terms of quality but certainly cheap in terms of um you know the the pricing of of, of equipment and recording equipment and, and software and so on yeah. um do you think that's one of the wonderful do you think that's one of one of the wonderful things that it's number one it's easier to get to the artist for a start you know because there's an email address in every one of these you know spotify pages and so on and bank app yeah. and soundcloud and stuff um is is it a time it, it must be a time of great excitement as well yeah i think it's it's a mix you know it's really tough for artists to keep making great music if they're not earning from the music that they've previously made you know and that that's a really crucial funding stream that i would have seen working with keelan and independent bands disappear over those years um so and then you can making stuff really easy to put out doesn't necessarily mean that <laughs> it's going to be commercially successful yeah viable, it's going to be yeah. commercially successful it's going to be you know the best thing as well you know i i have a lot of um I, I have a lot of store by the role of people like mixing engineers and sound engineers and that that kind of service group that were there for artists that that you some artists can be brilliant at, at replacing and doing all those jobs themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a feeling that all artists must be able to do all of this. And that's there are a lot of skills to go into one person, you know, from miking a room correctly, knowing how to um, mix music that you've created yourself. Like we were just talking about how we can't listen to our own voices, you yeah, know, yeah. to objectively listen to your own creation and then bring it to the best production. Yeah, I, I, yeah absolutely. It's invaluable to, to, to it, the old adage, it's the same, in, you know, in terms of yeah. crewing up for film. Hire really good people and let them do their jobs. Well, that's, you know? that's, so important and then similarly with marketing and promoting it and and it's such a busy space you know the uh, spotify or Bandcamp for any of the socials and you're i i think i think it's good there's good and bad you know and i think um it's important for artists to feel that they have an audience of connection with an audience and that there is a a result to their work and that that result is partially economic so <laughs> that they can go on to make more um you know but i would i would say i like i really believe in the service kind of roles within the music industry and i yeah. think it's great to see that they have been recognized in the supports that have gone out as well be it the promoters or the venues or studios engineers pr people um yeah, these roles exist for a good reason. Yeah. People need to remember that, you know. Yeah. And it is that kind of, you know, buy cheap, you buy twice in a lot of instances, you know. Good production is invaluable. Good production is really Im- invaluable. And to have that available locally means that everything gets a little bit better. Because if you have, 
you know, a good producer working, other producers learn off them or aim at that standard, you know. So I think that's I think that's something that the music industry here has always suffered a little bit because we've had such big neighbours and often you would see big successful or successful artists here kind of get cherry picked out of Ireland mm-hmm. and brought off and then they go and record in LA or um, in England and they have management teams abroad and they have labels abroad and I think that, that that's kind of a, a loss of skills to yeah. our you know domestic market so um, I think and, and the, similarly with music supervisors it is going to always increase the likelihood that Irish artists are going to be included when there's an Irish based music supervisor because they just know more you know they know how to find Irish artists more um, so, th- so all those roles, I think, are really important. And the, the more that they can exist here, the better. And then the, the stronger the networks, like, you know, there hasn't always been great networks within the music industry as well. They're more kind of, um, I suppose, unorganized would be the word, like really good collaborative. Yeah, I think it's, it's a good time in terms of transparency, and I, which uh, segues us nicely to yeah. uh, the uh, Screen Composers Guild. Um, yeah. You know, more, more of these guilds, organisations where people uh, people en masse are transparent with their work and what's happening and how these processes work yeah. is a positive thing for, for, the, for the industry, the film and TV industry, but also for the music industry, which, you coincide, which coincides. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the inception of, of the guild and the work that you do there? Yeah, so um, the guild was set up by, originally we had 21 founding members, um, but I had done a research project that IMRO and MCPS Ireland funded, which was around music for screen. So after working as a music supervisor for a few years, I was, I felt like we were missing a beat in terms of how music was being used within Irish-made film content, I thought there was just a gap there in accessing good local talent. And There's then a little bit of thievery going on as well, let's be honest, you know, the favourism, like, can you do me a favour on that, you know, when there should be due process. Yeah, things, yeah, know? there was some of that, but I just thought, you know, I mean, I, I just thought it's not, it's not as good as it could be, that's mm-hmm. what I felt, you know, and I felt that maybe that's because it's, because there, there was a bit of that, there was favour you know kind of people doing favors i think that um in terms of composers they were just very isolated from each other and isolated from the industry as a whole and i thought you know it's hard for individuals to build up on their own you know it, it's better to have a kind of a, a, a group hashtag stronger together <laughs> so that wasn't what i thought well, that's true though right? at the beginning of the report the report really was just to go what like what's the story because I thought yeah yeah, and I I haven't come from the music industry and then kind of working in the film industry I thought the film industry is really organized and has been great at getting you know really valuable government support and a lot of investment and we were kind of building a identifiable Irish film industry that could travel internationally and I thought where's music in this and um what the report revealed was that it was it wasn't represented and uh, there just wasn't a conversation partner from music there it wasn't like looking through some of the reports or the strategies from different um organizations involved in audiovisual or from the government like music just as a word wasn't mentioned yeah. i thought well, you know it's actually a fairly key creative ingredient in content so you know, um, so I did the report, and from that, uh, I kind of I, I um, presented it to composers. Really, Imro were brilliant in their support for all of that. Um, and following that presentation, composers came up and, and said, "Would you be interested in helping us set up a an organisation?" I said, "Absolutely. This is um, not what I was expecting I'd be doing <laughs> with the next <laughs> five, ten years, but." Yeah. yeah. Um. So and and from there, I I was actually kind of a little bit surprised as well. I thought, you know, it could be a, a bit of a leap to go from working very much on your own in isolation remotely and kind of carving out whatever level of career you could to banding together. Um. But actually, it's 
composers do the outcomes, the opportunity. Um, and then the idea of setting up a guild was really just to look like we had always been there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it, it is one of those organisations that you feel it doesn't seem out of place. It seems it always sh- should have been there, always should have existed. Yeah. It's a no-brainer, you know. Yeah, and well, I mean, but it's uh, look, not unfortunately, and it's it's. Yeah, you, I mean, you're what two years old now? Two, we two are now. three years old, pretty much. Um, this May will be three years. 2018, May 2018, we set up, um, kind of unofficially getting together and having Happy anniversary for next month, by the way. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should actually do something, and then we launched officially to the industry in February 2019 at the film film festival. Yeah. Um, and it, we, we received a huge amount of support from the Directors Guild, from Birch, um, from um, Animation Ireland, from the Screenwriters Guild and the Screen Producers Guild. And they very much welcomed us and they were great to, uh, you know, they were good models to look at. Like, I think when we were looking at the organisation, it was somewhere between Animation Ireland and their what they have done in really being ambitious with Irish animation and really projecting it onto an international stage and then with the Screen Directors and Writers Guild where, you know, it's you, you're bringing together creators and you're supporting each other. Um, I talked to Paddy Brannock at some stage early in the process and he was really great about explaining the value <laughs> of the Directors Guild for him and for those that idea of you know bringing creating colleagues when you're working alone that's mm-hmm. so important and creation community and sharing well, ultimately knowledge. it's a focus group right you know yeah ultimately it's it's a community and it's an area that you where people who have very specific and specialized knowledge can get together and discuss at a you know extreme nerd level (laughs) (laughs) all things composing you know and and they are an interesting because they're not they're they're quite different from they're quite separate from performing musicians or that part of them that composes for film is quite separate from maybe the part of them that is a performing musician because you're working uh, music is they're using it in a very different way it's a collaboration they are inputting something into somebody else's vision and they're they're really storytellers through music you know mm, and, and yeah, very much so. then also their their you know the tools that they use are quite are quite specific um and 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 while again there's lots of crossover i just thought these this group of people are investing very heavily in their time and skills and education and financially to make themselves the best available person that they can be. And and I thought that it's the audiovisual industry here needs to see that and needs to know that because that's an asset to the audiovisual industry. You know, it's an asset to producers and directors to have composers who are, you know, buying up sample libraries and investing in, you know, the latest technology and massive hard drives to hold huge uh, memory and orchestration techniques and you know can you can you just for people especially there's a lot there's a this kind of creating online content culture mm-hmm. which we do a lot with, with on fni um the easy option or the quick fix is to find some stock music these companies that create samples and bits um what would your advice be to what what would be the future directors or producers in this country starting out? It's it's a bad habit to get into, isn't it? Um, think? I think it's a bad habit to become addicted to. Um, I I think you know library and production music certainly has its place, but it can't replace what original music can do. And I would think that it's not necessarily that you're going to have a habit, but you'll miss learning the skill of using this extra creative um, element that's available to you if you only have something that is quite um, that's quite structured. So you you're robbing yourself of the collaboration as yeah, well, which yeah. is surely the most important part. Yeah, completely. And and that and what a composer can bring. And the more skilled people that you have collaborating in a creative way, the 
potentially better the outcome it will be <laughs> potentially <laughs> no but you know and that's something that we in the guild I, I suppose we'd be talking to the likes of BAI um, and Screen Ireland and really saying this is it's really important that those kind of funds which are aimed at the lower budget end um, and 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 which can often be the place where you can have more space to risk as well, um, that they include composers in this because that's where those relationships will develop, the director and the composer relationship. They don't have to keep working together, but just how to work with a composer. And I would have seen, that would have been one of the things I would have seen, you know, working with Keela all back then, was that there was that knowledge gap of knowing how to you know, make to get get the most out of um, a composer, get the most out of original music. So yeah, I would say to the future directors, you know, work with work with a friend who's a musician who's composing, who's you know, it can be as simple as one instrument and it's common sense as well. <coughs> I mean, just yeah. reach out online and go. Does that do? Yeah. Please tag composers in this. At least check people out. Yeah, you know they don't obviously don't necessarily have to be part of the guild, you know, yeah. per se, but you know, see who's creating original work and see if you can work with them or you know find some sort of, you know, another thing I, I wanted to ask you is, and you may or may not know the answers uh, to this, are there any grants for projects to improve the overall standard of sound or composition? on lower budget stuff in any way. Do you know if there's anything like that? No, and that's something that I would like to um, set up. You know, that's something that we have been lobbying for is a, a budget that would be held specifically for music so it would help. Because I think it is really difficult to carve out money for music and keep it aside when you're working on a, a short film that maybe has a budget of two or three grand you know yeah. that's one thing i noticed that just over the years um going to a lot of film festivals i've seen films that are really very valuable and like original interesting pieces of work yeah i'm totally destroyed by the lack of adequate sound post-production and, and, and yeah. music yeah. Where you can literally see them plastering over the cracks to get it finished, you know? Yeah. As opposed to it becoming one of its valuable assets. It's that thing about sound in film, you know? You can get away with a shaky camera, you can get away with, you know, a, a shot or two out of focus. Like even the best directors, Scorsese will, uh, for Martin Scorsese, for example, will, put, will leave a dodgy shot in mm. if it aids the overall narrative or if it helps the narrative along, even if it's not necessarily the best take in some uh, technical way i mean this i don't think do you think filmmakers particularly young f filmmakers don't see the value in in realizing that you can't get away with bad sound or you, anything can draw you out from an audible yeah you know yeah I I, i'm often taken out of a film straight away if something is completely bad i think it's kind of like leaving the window open at the back of the room you know you're trying your aim here is to bring your audience into your world and to keep them in that world. And that's, you know, that that I often think of music and sound being the kind of the ceiling to that world and the back, because a lot of the subconscious is is kind of aware and will pick up on it. So when, when the sound isn't right and when the music isn't doing its job or, you know, even when the mix is off sometimes, it just, your subconscious sets out alerts and reminds your conscious, oh yeah, this isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, a, a re our reality at the moment. And what your filmmakers are looking to do is make their audience believe that they're in the reality. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, I think a lot. Lenny Abrahamson's work has ha has contributed a lot to what I would see as improving that area and I, I think I would encourage any young filmmakers to watch Garage and um, what Richard did and to pay attention to the atmospheric sound and also the use of music in, and, and while he can be quite sparse uh, he works with Stephen Rennox who's a member of the guild and it's to me it's like just luxury it's just it's such it's such excellent craft. Yeah, it's like a silk scarf through a ring. The stuff yeah, that's like really effortless and lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it really brings you Nuance. in. Yeah, um, and 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 music's 
just and and what often happens um is when we talk when they introduce themselves in the guild when they so important, you know. That last film I saw, the reason why I like it so much was the music, or you know, the, uh, the, the a specific piece of music. Um, and I think that's across everything, you know, across like if you look at something like um, as as Chewing Gum as X Factor, you know, they their all their tension beds have been scored for yeah. that show, so. Even all of that, that builds up that, um, what sucked the audience into oh, it's believing. The yeah, oh, yeah. It's so, and it's so important. And that's, you know, that's where I think it's, it's worth spending to come out of the production library kind of sphere and go, no, I want to make this a really strong, original, identifying production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we could do a lot more of that in TV here as well, you know. And, mm-hmm. I think it's it's great to see uh, productions, certainly documentary and investing in composing, but I would go all the way. Yeah, I mean, God forgive me, but some of it's quite bland, isn't it? Well, some of it's bland, and you're and you're going, I don't hear that somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, or you know, I think yeah, yeah. yeah, easy option. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of the library music, it's and you know, there's brilliant composers writing for libraries as well. But what what tends to happen? It's a bit like. This was one of the members said um, it's a bit like kind of a where compared to a, a local designer. You're, there's, it's off the shelf music and there's a lot of very similar pieces. So and, and it's all kind of produced and mixed and mastered to a certain kind of sound. So it just all becomes kind of begins to sound alike. Samey. Yeah. And mm. so, I mean, that can work sometimes. I think, you know, in reality TV, there's a lot of, there's a certain kind of Moby. You can blame Moby for all this. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Moby for a lot of stuff. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's, uh, young filmmakers think about it because it is a, it's definitely a way to, to make your piece of work stand out. Absolutely. Originality. Um, yeah. Maybe you might tell us a little bit about some of the members, maybe, or some interesting members yeah. that are, that are, are so, available. Well, we've we've our membership has grown from those what was the uh, twenty twenty eight founding members, and now we have pa- up to sixty three, which is brilliant, and they're full members. So that means they've got two um, credits, um, in working composing original score for a production. So you can find them on our directory on the website. And then we also have a layer for a, a tier for associate members who are composers who are looking to work in this area mm-hmm. um, and are interested and they can join and kind of come in to all our events as well. The only real difference between a full membership and associate is a place on the directory, which we're kind of promoting as a professional directory. So that's why we kind of have those two credits so that people looking at it know that they are looking at people with experience. Um, and then also voting rights in our AGM. Well, it's important. I mean, there needs to be a standard, and it's you know people need to know that there's a level of excellence. And you know. yeah, yeah, and I mean it, it, it's you don't want to feed into the well. How do I get the two credits if I do, you know? But it is. I do think that you know when when you're putting out a directory, the directory really is a resource to the industry. Yeah. We kind of have to have some level of. Uh, benchmarking or, or grading or, or system grade, in some way, yeah, yeah to say um and it isn't an area where you could go they all have like uh, yeah. a master's degree in um composing for screen and a lot of our composers come from really mixed backgrounds some of them come from very music education background and some from having wanting to be directors or and some from bands yeah, so yeah we've we've a lot of uh, great members we have Stephen Rennox, as I mentioned, um, he'd probably be one of the better known. Ray Harmon, who does a huge amount of the, the TV drama, Love, Hate, um, and the like that you have seen. Um, and we have Bill Whelan, some people may have heard of him <laughs> <laughs> as well. Um, and then we have a, a kind of younger members who are coming up, like uh, Natasha Paulsberg. She just scored the um, original music for hunger the documentary about the famine i don't know if people saw that that was really good and she's uh part of new music dublin festival the week after next um 
so is Irene Buckley, who's another young, great young composer. And um, she just did one of the shorts on the RT uh, website that came out, um, and Walsh's short Illuminations. Oh, um, yeah, okay. So she's really interesting. Sarah Lynch um, is another composer to watch. She's did a podcast recently, The Vanishing Triangle, I think, an audible po- podcast, mm-hmm. and um, did the music for the eighth. Um, and so, and, and that's what you would find with members is that they tend to be working across all areas. You know, um, we've a lot of composers who have really excelled in animation with the growth of the animation sector. So you have the Darren Handley, who's like to me a huge name in composing, but most people probably haven't heard of him. He's he wrote the Octonauts theme. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Young kids, Nelly and Nora. Kids under under ten. Um, that. Angela's Christmas Wish. Um, and we have this. We're an all Ar- all Ireland Island Guild. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there's Mark Gordon and Scrodo Score. Oh. A score draw music. Yeah, score draw. Score, it's it's hard to say. Sco, score draw. Score, I'd say with a Northern Irish accent. Score, score draw, draw music. Score draw. Score, score draw music up in Belfast. And music to Claude. Uh, again, if you've kids, you'd know this. And a lot of animation. Um, Anna Rice. She's done a lot of animation work as well. And worked. She did America for Channel Four. Um, last year with the. The Japanese composer Umbayashi, um, and she's worked a lot with him as an arranger and orchestrator and producer. Um, and Niall Byrne, who does a lot of ITV drama stuff like Manhunt um, and the Hatton Garden Heist. So there's a lot of composers working. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm leaving out. I I, I oh, could yeah, you know be, I no matter what you, you would you would whether you want yeah. to or not. <laughs> and of course, Keela, which is kind of what brought me into this, was when they they did that first um, cartoon saloon movie, The Secret of Kells, with Bruno Coulet. I was still working with them then, um, and now they've just worked on Wolfwalkers with them. But they also did the score for Arrowed, the Irish language film. Um, Steve Lynch is another there's a couple of great composers out in Galway. Um, he did on Klondike and then worked a lot in international ads. So there's, there's the standard is really really there's high. huge work going on here, and and what what you find is if it isn't mined by the audiovisual industry here, it will just go, and then somebody else benefits from it, you know. Yeah. So, um, and now composers can work from Ireland, can be based in Wicklow, um, and be delivering internationally, and maybe not be visible to anyone here. So. Can I ask you, like, from a composer, th- there's there's often the perception um, that, oh, Jesus, I wouldn't get them about certain yeah. people, you know? Like, how do people circumnavigate that? If they have something that's great, great, really great, and they w- they know they want to work with yeah. Stephen Rennix or whoever, you know? Yeah. There, is there a way to get, like, can you pitch to people, to, you know? Now, obviously, a lot of these people are, like, top, uh, you know, uh, the top brass are usually booked up in advance, but it is possible to get your ideas, your work in front of these people, isn't it? It is possible, but I also wouldn't say that you have to go straight to Stephen Rennox and... Uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Stephen. Um, I He's mean, busy. He, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I think I think what I, I would recommend is that you shortlist three composers and maybe you have your, you know... Stephen Rennox at the top, and then maybe you have two others below. And that's why it was important for us to have this directory because there wasn't really a directory beforehand. So go in, research the composers, research productions that they've worked on before, or think about short films that you've seen and you like the music and find out who did the music and get in touch with them. Um, It's a collaborative project that you're inviting somebody into so you know sell it to them and they're either going to get it or they won't Mm -hmm. if they don't get it you don't necessarily want them working on it even if they are absolutely brilliant um but so so it's really uh, one of the biggest friends for the music department is time Mm -hmm. um so 
consider it early, you know, and reach out. I think most composers um, are delighted to get an email to be invited to pitch for something or to have an initial conversation. I would say, you know, uh, reach out, maybe set up a Zoom call or in normal times, meet for a coffee, have a chat. Again, rapport is really important in any kind of collaborative um, work. So being able to get somebody I, I just did a lovely chat with uh, was with um, Sarah Lynch, who did the short films for Die House Films. So Tina Times 2 just won the Young People's uh, Award in the National TV um, Awards. But that was kind of the third in the trilogy. Um, and when I was talking to, it was for the Fresh Film Festival in Limerick and talking to Sarah Lynch and Bonnie Dempsey, who's the director, and the David, the producer. And Bonnie was saying, well, we were delighted to get Sarah because she had more experience than we did, which was what, what we were looking at, aiming at. Yeah. But she also said, uh, working with people who are sound, you know, now, my version of someone who's sound is different from your version of mm -hmm. someone who's sound. So it's it's just about getting that rapport going mm -hmm. and then getting somebody invested in your project. You know, if you come and go, oh, it doesn't really have much budget and, you know, it's gonna, it's just like a little thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you need to be exactly that. Uh, there needs to be a synergy in some, to yeah. some degree and, you know, more often than not, if you're having a quick meet, if you're having a meeting with someone and they're telling you how little time they have, how little time and meeting, how little budget they know. have, it's like, no, it's well, nice. yeah. And I think um, what a composer wants to see from a producer as well as somebody who's going to fight for them and support from them. You, you know the the earlier as well that you bring on a composer, the more work that you're going to get out of them in terms of they'll be thinking about it. You know, as soon as they get that initial script. Um, they'll start building up a picture in their mind and come up with ideas. And the more time those ideas have to ferment and evolve, the better. It's wonderful. It's beautiful, right? Yeah. It, you know, yeah. it's a flower. It's flowering. It's a, it's a flowering of the relationship. Yeah. I know from my own experience working with um, one or two members of the the guild. Yeah. Um, that it's a joyous thing when, you know, you get an email with, a, you know, a quick recording or some idea they had yeah and that shorthand where you have you know uh, when you immediately agree that it's the right thing to do and he's uh, he or she is yeah is is on the same page as you it's a wonderful thing it can it can lift your mood it can you know why jeopardize those lovely moments and flowerings and buds of of of, of a creative relationship by just you know literally taking something off the shelf x y and z you know yeah. x y and z it's the same in terms of adverts and bits and pieces as well do you think that people are more approachable or open to talking about um rates and things like that as well or are there set rates for certain things um there aren't set rates for certain things so it it's it's like a lot of different creative areas you are your rate will be based on how in demand you are to a mm. degree and your level of experience um and then uh, the budget the overall budget that somebody has to offer your expectation and this is something again that I mean for as a music supervisor when someone comes to you and they have an overall budget of X yeah. and they have less than one percent going to music, it doesn't really excite you that they are really, you know, <laughs> yeah, gonna yeah. gonna really want the most out of music, you know. Um I remember working with one director who was like going, Well music's still really important to this film he was Canadian but it's a bad Canadian accent um <laughs> but I and I was kind of going yeah but the budget's kind of telling me it's not you know yeah. that's the reality that that sometimes has to hit home with directors and producers uh, you know it when you're dealing when you're work, when you're in the area of the short short films there is a lot more flexibility there it's less time consuming it's less time consuming people are excited to it can be it can be an area that you can flex your creative muscles a little bit and develop relationships um uh, you know i i feel that part of the work of the guild is to try to remind composers not to work for free because yeah. they're like other creative people you know they want to be doing it 
Um, I feel like a, a, a good part of what we have to say to industry is, look, you know, you, you do need to invest to get something yeah. not good, but something that's strong. That's what I would say. You know, you need to invest. And that investment isn't just going into the composer's enormous bank account, but a, most, a lot of composers will spend most of their fee on making the music um, or most of the budget. I think it's a wonderful trade-off. I think even if you have no budget per se, you should have some budget. For music, yeah. Like yeah. always, because it's just, a, you know, it's a tran- it's transactional, it's it's professional, it, it shows that you have integrity. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, it's, it's you know, um, yeah, it's I ha- important to, to, to be grateful for one's creative input. And to and to repay that by some sort of a payment, even a gesture yeah. payment, I feel. Yeah, particularly when it's when it's something so specific as creating a soundtrack or some uh, an original piece. I just think certainly, you know, relevant. if it's if it's a, if it's a short that you're doing, take five percent and say I'm going to put that into music and sound maybe yeah. here or there, depending on how much you're going to have in your film. If it's a very music heavy film. Mm-hmm. Certainly, maybe go up to 10, 15 percent. Um, and then you can explain it in that way. I, I, what I find as well working as music supervision, like you will get people saying, oh, well, it doesn't look like good exposure and this kind of shite. And you're going, uh, the yeah, e- the E word. Yeah, it's actually not that great exposure because it's kind of behind people while they're talking a lot. And it's going to be relatively unmemorable to the audience. <laughs> but it really, really works in your scene. So... Um, but then when I think it's like, no, well, how about we budget this for it? And they go, oh, yeah, we can do that. And I think there's somehow there's a disconnect where they think music's either prohibitively expensive or they have to get it for free. I'm like, no, there's this whole other kind of money bracket in between free and prohibitively expensive yeah. that composers are happy, you know, that fast. Communicate. Just communicate. <laughs> like 500 quid, you know, is like, yeah, yeah. you know, half a month's rent if you live in... I don't know, Watford. Yeah. It's like two days' rent <laughs> if you live in Dublin. But, yeah. um, you know, it's still 500 quid. But ask the questions, right? Don't be afraid to reach yeah. out and go, look, are you available? Look, people think immediately it's going to, like you said, it's it's black or white. Yeah. And people are want to work want more to work. so than, than you, know, you yeah. know, I'm not saying more so than get paid, but they want the collaboration is key, right? People are available key, to yeah. you. Yeah, and I think, um, and I think, just consider music as a really as as important as say locations or um, a, a key cast member, um, or dra- it's, it's or, or wardrobe. After, it's not an afterthought. It shouldn't be an afterthought. It's an integral part. It's 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 a it's a key creative element that's going to go in. It's like a key ingredient. It's the difference between, you know, maybe... It's the bacon powder. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to go with the spice. I was like <laughs> going to go, it's the difference between, you know, a curry with ginger and a curry without ginger or something. You know, it's it's something that's going to really enrich and, um, and really deliver a lot of color and context and or, or texture to your, your production. So... Don't skimp on it, you know, like don't overspend on it compared to everything else, but don't skimp on it um, or maybe do overspend. And respect, re- respect, <laughs> yeah. and, and respect the, 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 the work, the endeavor. Yeah, well, that would that would be another thing. I think that what comes along with not paying people properly or feeling like you're not paying people properly is then you feel like you also need to tell them how to do their job. And I think that's like... You know, this why why hire a composer if you're going to tell them what to do, exactly. down to the, the the kind of the notes and the instrumentation. So, and again, that's where time is really valuable because you can learn a lot from composers. And I think that was the what what I heard a lot from Bonnie talking about working with Sarah Lynch. She was like, I didn't realize you could do you know kind of building up a theme and adding texture to a theme over the course of a of of the film, um, and there was like, yeah, that's kind of like composing for film one hundred and one, <laughs> you know. But but it, in don't the, micromanage them. <laughs> let them do their jobs. Don't let them yeah. micromanage them. Um, I think you have to you have to develop how you you talk about music and and your shared language and your shared knowledge. And sometimes getting a getting a cue in from a composer and you just go, oh, 
Jesus, that's like completely not what I was thinking of. I'm a, 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 it's, I can't even mm-hmm. look you straight in the face anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, the, it's, the, it's really valuable one, for a composer. Of, it's, yeah. like, it's not like, you know, it's your daughter comes down the stairs wearing a, wearing a short skirt or whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to state the obvious. I'm just going to go, what about that other lovely thing your mum got you? Yeah. You know, to wear, maybe try that, you know, instead of the obvious state. state yeah, the obvious. I mean, just just learn how to have those conversations and be. And again, time, 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 you know, that happening the day before you're going to kind of the, the last day of edit um, doesn't leave enough time. And again, don't overdo the kind of the edit and let music sit. I would say as well, listen to music properly. Don't trust everything that you hear out of your iPhone speaker. As yeah, Jesus. Completely. Wear some cans, for God's sake. <laughs> you know, you do, like listen to it in, in the way it was intended to be heard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then have the conversation like composers can do re-edits, but don't waste all your goodwill on getting tiny little things moved here and there. Like just sit with the music for a while. Um, I to me listening to music it, it can it I I like to listen to it in the evening and then again in the morning, and that way you're getting a second, you know, take on it and maybe you'll if you wake up humming as somebody <laughs> said that for kids animation you have to be able to wake up the next day singing the song because what that needs to be is catchy. It's the it's the you know putting a song in somebody's head scenario, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. I'm going to tune and then them, you know, by, uh, almost by accident, uh, them, them uh, replicating that. Um, everybody that comes on the show, uh, I ask everybody that comes on how they deal with rejection. How do you deal with rejection? Very badly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, how do we deal with rejection? I suppose I just, see it as an opportunity for going at something again mm-hmm. I don't think I'm I'm necessarily the most sensitive so it might take a few goes for me to really get the whole rejection yeah. thing um, but I, I also have you know if it's, if it's not for you um, that's why there's that kind of element but, and I think um, there's a huge amount of learning that you can get from things failing or not going the way you want them to go. So um, I think rejection or failure are really valuable and they should be kind of seen in that context. I think um, I think that, that for creators looking at, like, say, funding, um, if you get repeated rejections for funding applications and you don't come out any the wiser of why you're getting rejected, mm-hmm. I think that is somewhere between soul destroying and you know stupidity stupidity and (laughs) that that really frustrates me a lot it's that thing you know if you're buying a pair of trainers to go running and you think you're a size thing and you keep buying a smaller size yeah it's not you need to change something fundamentally simple you need to change something or maybe they need to change something fundamentally simple as well about Mm. the feedback thing you know i mean um, well, that's one like, of the, that, that's one of the biggest downfalls of the funding bodies throughout yeah. the arts is lack of credible, detailed feed, feedback yeah. as to why people are rejected. And I, I, I think I think asking somebody up front, don't be afraid to ask someone up front. Uh, don't you know, kind of harass people. How, how either. can I do it better? How can I do it better? And try and cut, try and create a professional you and a mm-hmm. kind of emotional you, and let the professional you sometimes talk calmly to you you know I think actually talking about uh, skills like any kind of um, people talk a lot about resilience and stuff but I think there's kind of training that happens in like management training um, what do you call it it's like coaching kind of self-coaching or mm-hmm. career coaching I think that would that's quite valuable to have some access to coaching techniques um, but mm. it is it's a large part of the the job is is being rejected <laughs> get used to it <laughs> there is a bit of that yeah 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 it's part it's part of the um there's the assumption you know that kind of it's not get used to it but be prepared for it that's yeah. what i would say you know and then after a while if it's just repeated then see see 
what you're what can be adjusted it's not the end of the be, road yeah what can be adjusted? and try and learn yeah yeah um yeah thanks for coming in where can people find out more about the screen composer skills of ireland um screen composerskills.ie is our website um that's our our online home my uh, email address is on it sarah at screen i love getting emails um, and I think my phone number might be even on it as well. And that's actually something I, I really like that I feel we don't do well in Ireland is having your contact details clearly available and yeah. not to act like you're afraid someone will contact you. We do the, oh God, <laughs> I, better, I better not make it too easy just in case they get in touch with me. In case anybody calls and offers me money to do something. Yeah, so um, the screen composer skills are and, and like I say, our directories there, we're building a resources section. We have one kind of piece on um, composing or commissioning a composer for short films. So you can download that and have a look mm-hmm. um, and get in touch. Yeah, we have, we've run a few events in, in our... Um, short lifetime but the first was uh, conversations with the sound department then we did conversations with editors last year we'll be doing conversations with directors so we're very much into mm-hmm. collaborating and being part of a network and talking to people yeah so we're, we're fond of that ourselves um yeah. can, are, are there any online talks or stuff that you've done over the last year that people can access is it on yeah, YouTube yeah we have a Vimeo channel um, and we have some of our talks on that um, you can apply for membership so the, the membership process is that if you're a composer go check out our membership page you can download the um, application form there and you send in some information I send that on to a members committee mm-hmm. for the full membership and they just check those credits Um and then, if not, you can become an associate membership, which is half the, the it's fifty euro for the year. Full membership is hundred euro for the year, so it's very it's money cheap. For, that's money for all rope. I mean, yeah. And then I I sent you so some of our talks are freely available, and some of them are password protected. So that because the people that you know that's kind of what we've agreed with the people that we talk to, and we did we took advantage of the situation to get some good heavyweights in from the music scoring international community to chat to us so and how valuable that really is i mean it really yeah yeah so um no it's thanks a million for having me in it's great to feel like we're being accepted into the (laughs) we we, we we feel a bit of that ourselves yeah uh, so thank you very much um continued success um in your own career, but also in the great work that you're doing with the guild. So Thanks. I suppose that just to give a shout out to Pat O'Connor, who did the theme for this podcast, yeah. I think. So that's just, um, you know, if you're doing podcasts, that's another opportunity to contact composers. Yeah. So I think, you know, overall, contact composers if you're looking for music. Contact composers, and then they have all the rights because that's part of the music supervision thing is navigating right so uh, certainly podcasts need to license mm-hmm. and if any and, and you're open to talk to people if they have any questions about anything as yeah. well if they contact you by email okay great have a great day enjoy the rest of the song thank you thank you, you too <laughs> This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.